Hey guys, how's it going? So I know this is a time of great anxiety and great fear for so many people. I heard something yesterday that millennials and Gen Z are the most anxious um, generation, and we've been into that many other weeks as to why that might be. I think a lot of it is because of a lack of hardship, but today I wanted to talk about um, another angle on that, and that is living with sort of an open hand, holding on enough uh, to what we're supposed to hold on to, but but not holding on so tight that we become um, a little king of our miserable kingdom that I don't know about you, but when I'm not doing so good, I just overthink so much that I sort of get trapped in a weird prison of my own making of of overthinking and over obsessing and um, that's just one of the ways that my mind can go wrong so uh, before we get into all that, we're going to get into the idea of no-mindedness. I asked my dad to speak on this. My dad is a black belt and ran a karate school when he was younger. And um, one of the things that he spoke to me about from fighting was the idea of no-mindedness, of being in a fight and being able to be um, completely uh, clear-headed in, in that situation. And, you know, I think the need to be completely clear-headed is... Uh, Interesting that that would be paired with fighting because fighting is obviously roughly the most stressful thing your body can experience. And I think that perfectly lines up with the scripture that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that the energy gained from handing over the most painful parts of our life is something that will become necessary as we walk through darker times. So before we get into anything else, here's my dad um, and a few ideas he had on the idea of no-mindedness. Zach, what an interesting concept. No-minded is something that I learned in martial arts. And it's when we were competing and we were fighting uh, and we were doing tournaments and doing a thing called katas, which is basically a form, an art form, where you are judged on how smooth and how well you did technique. But it's really a big deal with our fighting. When you're fighting, if you're thinking about what you're doing, it's taking away from your ability to do it. So the goal was to train hard enough or to train diligently and strictly and disciplined to the point where when it came time to, the, to fighting, you didn't have to think about it. And you just did it. You just went ahead and just did it, and you did not think about it. One time I had gotten in a fight. Now, I had been training for years, and I never had a fight outside of the ring. But one night I was out with uh, some friends, and this guy approached us. And for whatever reason, he came after me. And without even thinking about it, uh, I defended myself. And I, you know, it was just kind of amazing what had happened there. Uh, but I put him down on the ground, and it just happened so fast. I didn't even, I didn't remember thinking about it. And the goal here w was to be no-minded. And I think, you know, about living life no-minded, I guess what I'd have to do if I applied it in my whole life is I'd have to clear my conscience. And I guess I would do that by confessing one to another. The Bible says... If you confess your sin one to another, you shall be healed. And fortunate for me now, I do live no-minded because I do have that in my life. I Once a week, I have a time where I have a men's group and we get honest and real and 
But anyway, the no-minded living is just, in my opinion, the best way to do it. And so clearing my conscience and just making sure I'm taking care of what I know my responsibilities are. And then I just go ahead and just live life. So great concept and love to hear what you got to say about that, Zach. All right, before we keep going, I wanted to read a few scriptures. This is all taken from the book, The Twelve Steps for Christians. I read this this morning, and it really meant a lot to me. So I'm going to go through a few scriptures here and a little bit of the writing and just see if any of this speaks to something you may uh, be going through. I am worn out from groaning. All night I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all of my foes. Psalm 6, 6-7 through seven. When we fall away from the plan God has for us, our despair, chaos, and disorder can cause us to feel physically sick and may result in serious illness. Our self-serving pride cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness and giving up control. We have been accustomed to accepting full responsibility for all that happens in our lives and also in the lives of others. Some of us take the role of being overly responsible while others withdraw and become completely irresponsible. Until we reach an intolerable threshold of pain, we will be unable to take the first step towards liberation and renewed strength. The fact that we are powerless is a truth that we must realize before we can totally surrender. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. We choose life when we become willing to look at ourselves and our lives honestly and we seek the help we need for our healing to begin. Another part in this chapter, it spoke about how our desire to hold on to control of everything in our life torments us, that our torment, much of our torment is brought on by our own desire to hold on to control. That even when it's going miserably, that we'd rather it go miserably with us and control. I think at the root of all of this is one very simple question. Is God really good? That underneath all our fear and all our suffering is that idea, is that fear. Somewhere in our past, life broke what we thought of life, what we thought of ourselves, what we thought of the existence of good broke. And maybe we never have known how to repair it. So we walk around not really knowing, is God good? If you take all of the spirituality out of it, I would think of it very pragmatically, and that is this. We know good comes from somewhere because we know evil is a thing. We know good is real because we know evil is real. And good is the thing by which we would differentiate. I wrote down just a few ideas um, that pertain to ways that my mind can, can go wrong and just how we might cope with that in a more healthy way. So number one is to break the either-or dilemma. When I'm in a negative mental rut, I always tend to think that I'm choosing between two terrible options and those are the only two options. That whatever the situation is, that is where my mind will often go. It's either I control my life and it goes terribly or I, I hand it over to a God that doesn't care about me anyway. 
and it gets ruined that way or something like that. I don't know, but I do know that when I'm not doing well, it is because I have set before myself two options, both of which are terrible, and I convince myself that those are the only two. So break the either-or dilemma. There is always a third way. There is usually always a third way, which is nothing like either of the two. There is a third way where you hand over all of your fear, you hand over everything to God, and He does not ignore the things that you've done wrong. He doesn't need to. He is big enough that He can look straight at everything you've done wrong and just love you anyway because he's just bigger than you. He's bigger than your fear or your success, your failure, or your triumph. He's just a lot bigger than you so he can just handle it. Break the either-or dilemma. Number two is go anyway. Your actions determine who you are, not your thoughts. That if you're struggling with compulsive thoughts, act like someone who isn't. And eventually, your feelings will fall in line. Fake it. Number three is change your habits. If it took a habit to get into this place, then it'll take a habit to get out. The other day I was listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about how every night when him and his wife watched TV, that they would go get a bowl of ice cream. And for a long time, they would do that every single night. As soon as the TV turned on, their brain told them, oh, it's time for ice cream in that they could not turn off that impulse, they could not turn off that habit. But what they could do was change what they ate. That though you can't remove habits, you can replace them. And if you're in a bad mental rut, give yourself some patience, give yourself time, know that these negative thoughts will keep coming back. If you've, if this is a well-worn path, then it won't change overnight, that it is going to take a while to get out of here. If it took a habit to get you into this negative rut, then it will take a habit to get out of it. And so another way um, that I've tried to change my frame of mind is every night when I take a shower, I put on worship music. And again, maybe you're cynical, maybe you're sort of skeptical of even the idea of God, and so this is all too churchy, it's all too, you know, whatever, cliche or whatever. But I would say if you're in those shoes, if this is too Christian-y for you, then you're not hurting enough. Because there's a level of pain at which you say, God, take my life, take my death, take everything between now and the moment I die, and make it useful for something, because I don't know how to. That if you're in that place, if this is too corny for you, then just wait. Because there will be a level of pain at which surrender is necessary. A few years ago, when I truly changed, when I truly turned my heart and life over to God, when I really had an actual conversion, it was due to pain. It was not due to morality. It was not due to good choices or being a good person. It was due to a weight of internal mental pain that I could not survive under. I was about to end my own life. And only because of how close I was to ending things did I actually break for the first time and actually just hand all of my cards over to God. And that that is what is needed in order for anything new to come in. You know, I think I lived years but without ever learning anything because I was completely closed off. That I was so insecure that I wasn't smart or that I wasn't valuable that I wouldn't let anyone else in because I had to defend that whatever I thought already 
was the right thing. It had to be because I had to be smart. I had to be worth something or something like that. I had to be of value. And that pain of owning every single aspect of life, the pain of control, will become so great that surrender is one of very few options left. If I am not careful, if I did not have healthy uh, maintenance in place, then I sort of build an intricate web of entanglements, of overthinking, of over-obsessing. And the pain of that over time becomes so great that I cannot survive it anymore. I believe we often live in miserable comfort zones because we feel unnoticed. It's as if part of our subconscious torments us so that we can be the martyr in our story, that we'd rather be the person in our story who is whipped and beaten and killed rather than be a small part of a bigger story. That even if our conscience mind wants to do the right thing, even if a lot of us wants to hand over our life and death to God, that part of our subconscious mind does not want that. Part of our subconscious mind, part of our desire, our human, animal, wicked desire, would rather us be tormented day after day, night after night, in a weird prison of miserable comfort zone than hand over the reins to our life. Let yourself break. Let yourself go. The one thing that makes me in a better place now than I was those years ago is just that I break sooner. That is it. That even everything I've learned and every good habit and every single good thing about why my life is better now than it was then, even the fact that I'm married, it all comes back to just this one thing, that I just break sooner. And that doesn't mean I live in a place of surrender. I don't. In fact, this past week I've dealt with a lot of overthinking. I've dealt with a lot of fear and all this stuff. I remember hearing Ben Shapiro say once that when you're a kid, you kind of assume adults know what's going on. They sort of understand life, and it seems like they kind of have it under control. And that one of the scariest and most painful things about becoming an adult is that you see just how much we are truly shooting in the dark. And that we need good habits. We need a habit of surrender in order to live with any kind of peace. Sometimes I will get so out of whack that I will feel like I'm not even worthy to live with peace. That when I feel good, I almost feel like the other shoe is about to drop. That I'll get to such a dark place where if I experience a moment of good, that I will immediately have this anxiety that something bad is about to happen. I don't know exactly why I feel that way, but I'm saying that because maybe you do too. And that God does love you, and that he is not scared by what you've been through or what you have done. That he is just so much bigger than you, that it does not scare him. He does not ignore it. He doesn't say that it's all fine. He just looks right at it and says, I just forgive you anyway. Break the either-or dilemma. Go anyway. Fake it. If it took a habit to get into a negative mental rut, it'll take a habit to get out. It'll take time. Tell someone else what you're dealing with. Tell someone else what you're thinking about. Maybe even just write down some of the crazy thoughts you're having. 
because maybe after writing them down and you see how crazy they are, you might be able to distance yourself from them. You might be able to recognize that they are not what God has called for you, that God is where good comes from, that he didn't give up on you, and that the pain of life does not mean that he did. In the serenity prayer, it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. C.S. Lewis says, Faith is the art of holding on to things that your reason once accepted in spite of your changing moods. That if we can have enough faith to hold on to the things that our reason, that our sound mind once accepted in spite of our changing moods, that we may live with much more peace and that we may live with much more joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I love you guys.